Welcome to the feed. How's it going? My name is Matthew Mayer. And I'm Sabrina Houghton. We'll be with you for the next half an hour. This week on the feed, we are on the topic of spring. Personally, I can't wait for the show, the snow to melt and for this slushy cold weather to end. What about you, Sabrina? I'm so done with the snow, Matt. I don't want to stand outside in the freezing cold and brush off my car anymore. We'll be touching on the topics of sports, spring activities, and the horrors of spring. Matt, you're a sports guy. With spring just around the corner, there must be new sports starting to show up. You bet. When I think of spring, one of the first things that, that comes to mind is baseball. And since it's mid-March, that means ball season is just around the corner. I wanted to take a closer look at the Edmonton baseball scene. I spoke with a local baseball player who plays for the Edmonton Prospects of the Western Major Baseball League. Uh, Tony Olson, play infield and love at outfield too. Tony is a fourth-year player with the Edmonton Prospects. He's played at a high level his whole life and isn't new to the Edmonton baseball scene. Currently, he's playing college ball at the University of British Columbia, but he's always come back and played summer ball in Edmonton to work on his game. I asked him what is the Edmonton baseball community like, especially with the hometown prospects. I feel like it's a lot like what you see in Toronto uh, with the Blue Jays. You know, they get real excited about it, especially once, uh, you know, team starts winning. And, you know, especially summer in Edmonton is pretty beautiful, uh, you know, in the evening. So uh, I think the fans enjoy just coming out to ballpark on a nice day and just kind of sitting down and, and enjoying the night, I think. So definitely think that it's a good experience to come out to the game and just, I don't know, you don't really need to be the most educated fan by any means, but uh, I feel like the fans definitely enjoyed themselves uh, last year. Now, the prospects made it to the championship series last summer, but unfortunately fell just short of a championship. I wanted to hear Tony's thoughts on the support from the Edmonton baseball fans all summer long. It's pretty cool, especially like Canada Day and even playoffs today quite a few fans and um, I really like the uh, kind of those, those Sunday afternoon games where after we kind of get a meet with the fans and the little guys so um, I definitely feel like we were connected pretty close to uh, just the fans of Edmonton and stuff and I felt like we did a pretty good job there. So last year with the unfortunate events of the Fort McMurray wildfires, the Fort McMurray team didn't have a stadium to play in. As soon as the opportunity arose, the prospects lent a handout and offered Fort Mac to share their stadium in Edmonton. Tony says it was quite a heartwarming experience. Yeah, it was pretty cool, especially when we played those, uh, those Alberta Strong games uh, against them. And I mean, I didn't really get too connected with the four Mac players because we were kind of in different clubhouses and stuff. But uh, definitely never really been a, a part of something like that where uh, you know we were fortunate enough to be able to just take them in and uh, kind of give them a home for a little bit. And, definitely gave you a pretty good feeling about what was going on. Now, I volunteered for the prospects, and I maybe missed two games all season long. But I can honestly say that the bond between the players in that clubhouse is one of the closest I've ever seen in a ball club. Yeah, I think the last two years with prospects, I haven't really experienced uh, a team that was that close-knit. Guys like Logan Wedgwood, who played with in grade 9, I think you know Logan, like, pretty nice guy and pretty good team leader. And he's a guy that's really good to have in that clubhouse just because doesn't matter who you are, he's going to talk to you. And I think it really helps when you have a lot of guys uh, from the local area who played a lot together, kind of just uh, like that, where the team really was that close. So I think that really helped us uh, with our success uh, last year. So the 2017 season starts at the very beginning of June, and I definitely recommend you go check out some games for yourself this summer. So if you ever want a night out, a prospect game is the perfect thing. Tickets are cheap, they sell beer, and I bet you it's the best view of the city at the Edmonton Ballpark. On the topic of sports, Tyler, I know you're a big sports guy. 
Yeah, honestly, nothing says spring to me like going out and hitting the links for a quick round of 18. Golf is a great way to relax and enjoy some spring weather. So with golf season coming up, I had a nice chat with Nick Kuchiks, who's the groundskeeper slash maintenance man over at the Sturgeon Valley Golf Club. With all the snow that's still on the ground, it can seem like a daunting task getting a golf course ready for opening day. So the first thing I asked Nick was, what exactly goes into preparing a golf course for the upcoming season? First thing you have to do is you have to take the tarps off the green. They put tarp on the green to protect it from the winter weather. And then what you have to do is proceed to make sure the green's in okay condition. If worst case scenario, it needs to be completely taken out and redone. Usually at the nicer courses, that's not the case, but it did happen a couple times at Sturgeon uh, a few years ago. Then you just focus on beginning the resodding process, letting the grass grow, aerating, watering constantly. This all will begin when the snow melts. The moment the snow melts, it's back in action. That seems like a lot of time and work just to get the course to the bare minimum for opening day. So I wanted to know from Nick, how long does all that take? It totally depends on kind of what the damage was as a snow. Usually, I'd say about two weeks is probably the average around Alberta. Basically, yeah, the moment the snow melts, the driving range opens, that's kind of your, your beginning time frame. Obviously, the course isn't in peak condition from day one. So I want to know from Nick, when would the golf course be at its best shape over the course of the season? Peak conditions usually in Alberta will fall in the June and July. It's hot enough, and um, it's had enough care and maintenance at this time. To where you could say the grass needs a condition and the bunkers are all ready to go. So about June and July, depending on how the summer was, is when the course in peak condition. Now, the Sturgeon Valley Golf Club is considered one of the nicest in our province. So I had to ask Nick, how much for a round of golf? At $54 for 18 holes with no power card. Power card, I think, is an extra 20 bucks. Now, over $70 for a round of golf can be expensive for anyone, never mind someone who's just trying to get into the game for the first time. So I asked Nick, what are some good tips if someone's looking to get out and golf a lot this summer for a little bit of a cheaper price? Well, I would say if you're just starting out golf, get to some of those easy, cheap courses quick, those uh, those terrapines, those kind of sandpipers, really good deals. The difference of the course won't, it won't make a difference in your play until you've gotten better. The idea is that you just get hit in the ball, you get an idea for how golf works, you make sure that you, you know, you learn etiquette and stuff like that. So... For, for anybody that just wants to start learning, start at really cheap courses as well at the same time, too. Nobody cares when you're there, right? That's the best thing anyone can do. So, so, like Nick said, if you're looking to get into golf this year and you want to do it for a little bit cheaper, some of those lower-end courses where you don't need to worry about the rules and having members yelling at you are great. And also the time of day you go can help as well. Lots of courses offer awesome twilight rates, which allow you to golf later on in the night for sometimes even close to half the price. Thanks, Tyler. I know golf is a great way to get some fresh air and exercise, but if you want something more intense, maybe it's time to head to the gym. I went and spoke to one of the Nate Fitness instructors here and got more information about the gym here at Nate. With spring right around the corner, we hear a lot of people saying it's time to get that beach body. I went to Nate's Fitness Center and spoke to a personal trainer. I'm Samantha Marcotte, and I'm a personal trainer here and also teach group fitness. Samantha Marcotte has been a personal trainer for a year, and she even took the personal training course here offered at Nate. I thought that the number of participants in the gym would go up, as more people would want to develop that dream summer body. But apparently that's not as true as I thought it was. Yeah, it seems that um, it seems our fitness center is quite busy during like September, October. Uh, November kind of dies down, I think, for exams. Christmas is pretty quiet, and then it kind of picks up in the new year. 
and then it slowly dies down again spring summertime. The lack of participants may have to do with the fact that Nate's gym unfortunately closes by the end of this semester, as will be closed throughout the summer starting in April. I asked Samantha what she believes people want to achieve when thinking of their dream summer body. Most people are concerned about like the core, so the abdominal region.、Um, Men, it seems to be chest and back is the popular one. Ladies, it's legs. There is a couple of tips, tricks, and fitness routines that you can do to achieve your dream summer body.、Um, I, I would say cross training is best. So a good blend of having weight training as well as cardio.、Um, I find people will have better results that way if they can mix it up. And if you're always changing things, changing your routine,、um, the body will adapt and. Constantly be changing versus just doing cardio all the time or just doing weights all the time. It's really good to have a blend and keeps things interesting. So.、Yeah. And Samantha also had some advice for new goers that want to try the gym but not sure how to start it.、Um, just prioritize it and just make it make it fun. Make it a part of your regular routine.、Um, don't view it as a stress. I find if you can find it as something. That、uh, helps just better you and better better your health, and it's and it's a positive thing. I find a lot of people think of a fit think of fitness as like an, a negative thing, like oh I have to go to the gym today. Whereas you're like no, I get to go work on myself today and and do something for myself. I think that mindset helps a lot. So. So if you want to check out Nate's gym,、uh, it is between. Five forty-five and nine forty-five, and they also have personal trainers ready to help you. Personal trainers, I could use that. That's some really good information. I'll have to check that out because I think we all know I could use a little bit of fitness in my life if I want to impress at the pool this summer. Speaking of being impressive, Reese, I know you're pretty good on the longboard and you like to pick up the chicks. Oh, you know how I do, you know that.、Uh-huh. So I focus this week on longboarding. A spring activity we'll be finally be able to do now that the snow's on its way out. From the rush of downhill boarding to cruising down a trail, longboarding has something for everyone. Longboarding is great for traveling as well as a great spring activity. The life of longboarding started approximately in the 1950s, with the idea originating from surfers in Hawaii that wanted to take their surfing hobby to the land when the waves were too small to surf. Surfers then figured out a way of achieving their goal of bringing surfing to land by customizing their skateboards. They would grab a piece of thick plywood and shape it into a smaller version of a surfboard, then screw the trucks and wheels to the decks and head out to small hills to imitate the same moves they would do if they were surfing. Longboarding had a cult following in the 70s, where it lived on as an underground sport, with home hobbyists continuing to make boards in their garages. Or strap trucks onto snowboard decks using old wheels from the 70s, or roller skating wheels. A longboard, generally considered to be longer than a standard skateboard, is now synonymous with any skateboard that ranges in sizes. In general, a skateboard that ranges from the size of a person's foot to 22 inches is called a pennyboard. Made popular by the plastic resin boards first created in 1973. From there, the skateboard branches into two categories: longboard and skateboard. These names have less to do with length and more to do with use. Uses for longboards include transportation, freeriding, downhill, dancing, which is a resurgence of old-school tricks originating from surfing, cruising, and travel. The longboarding in Edmonton subreddit has a community of riders who share their love with anyone who wants to join. Great places to longboard in Edmonton include the River Valley, Mill Creek, High Level, and to the end of the world. So there you have it. Great trails to check out in Edmonton. I know that's where you'll find me this summer. 
Thanks, Reese. We'll be back after the break. Stay tuned to hear about people's favorite spring activities, and Devin dives into the dreaded topic we face every spring, potholes. You're listening to The Feed on NR92, the station for the students. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Feed. I'm Serena Houghton here with Maddie Boy. We're chatting on the topic of spring. It's beautiful outside, and up next we have Liam. He looked into what people like to do when the snow begins to melt. Thanks, Maddie B. So, like Matt said, the weather's getting nicer outside, and now we don't have to be locked inside our basements. I went around the campus and spoke to some students to find out what they look forward to doing the most in spring. We are finally beginning to see all that snow melt away, which means spring is just around the corner. Spring is just a warm to summer, of course, but there's still plenty of fun stuff to do here in Edmonton. One major event that could be happening in Edmonton this spring are the NHL playoffs, which haven't been in Edmonton for a long time, and it's definitely got some Nate students excited. And I like to go to Oilers games. I'm excited for spring because I can finally watch the Oilers play in the playoffs. Of course, it's going to be awesome to watch hockey in spring in Edmonton, but it's also going to be great just to be able to go outside and enjoy the weather. I like to start running again. It's nice to start running again. There's a nice set of stairs behind the new house. I like to enjoy the weather and get outside as much as I can. I like to drive with the sunroof open. I just like getting out and about. I don't like being outside in the cold, so when it starts to get warmer is when I really like to get outdoors. Uh, I have outdoor soccer soon. I'm pretty excited for that. Some students I spoke to just simply enjoyed the small things about spring. My favorite part about spring is having a light outside when I wake up. favorite part about spring is when you wake up and just smell that freshly cut grass. So there you have it. Spring is a lot of fun here at Edmonton with a lot of things to do. My favorite spring activity is to sit on a nice patio with some friends whilst enjoying some appies and a nice cold brew cha-cha. So, Sabrina, Matt, what is your favorite spring activity? Honestly, probably just going with my buds, grabbing maybe a brew cha-cha, <laughs> and uh, throwing the baseball around. What about you, Sabrina? I got to say going boating on the lake, go tubing, go wakeboarding, getting a tan. All Sadly, things. I don't have much, enough money to do that, so I'll stick to my baseball, I guess. But anyway... Up next, we have Devin. I know you love the warm weather outside right now, but with warm weather in Edmonton comes some downfall. That's right. It's not all fun and games. I am well familiar with this. I worked on a road crew for way too long. Spring, melting snow and ice also means potholes. So I spoke with Mike Howie, roadway maintenance supervisor with the city of Edmonton. So what is it about Edmonton that just makes the roads seem so bad? It seems like everything's just crumbling around here. From the freeze-thaw cycle. As water, water gets into the cracks or the, in the road, and at night it freezes and water expands when it freezes, so it breaks the asphalt apart and creates the start of a pothole. Then you've got your traffic pounding it, which starts breaking it up, and that creates a bigger pothole. Do you understand? 
When I was on a road crew, I remember fixing the same cracks in the road over and over again, the same potholes. And I just remember thinking, like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So does the city research stuff like this? Yeah, we try different stuff. We we, did, we actually have uh, a test section out by the testing lab in the West End that we've done some um, man-made man, uh, potholes, so to speak, and filled them with different materials to test. Now, if you see a pothole in your neighborhood or on your drive to work, there's actually a number you can call at the city, and they'll deal with it. 311. No, it comes across the inspector's desk, and the inspector looks and uh, basically inspects and prioritizes and send, and puts it into a priority list, which sends the crews out according to the priorities. Kind of a waste to go out there with a the crew to fill a teacup hole. So you call 311, you report the pothole, and then someone goes out and sees if it's really a huge issue or if it's something that can wait. And then the part that I always dreaded most was filling it with cold mix. Which, unlike hot asphalt, which needs to be steamrolled and leveled and all that stuff, is just cold, awful, rocky stuff that you fill in a hole and you hope it sticks and you hope it's still there when you come by the next day. It's basically used as a temporary repair till the crews can go back and jackhammer out and replace with asphalt and, do, and repair, do a proper repair on the job. But there's so many that try to keep up with that's impossible. So I think they'd have about 400, 500, 600,000 potholes a year reported. Up to 600,000 potholes can be reported every year. Like, that's just an insane number. Mike said it can lead to a lot of accidents. It's not good for the front end of your car, and I don't like hitting them either. And they cause a lot of accidents just because people are driving down the road in the last second, oh, there's a pothole, and they swerve to miss it. But they hit the car beside them because it's more of a reaction thing. So, yeah, the more we can repair, the better it is. We do get a lot of claims from people with uh, wrecked their tires or rims hitting the pothole, and they try to go through claims and get the city to buy a new front end or a new car for them. city overall within the five districts probably gets about five of those a week. So if you see a pothole, make sure to call 311 and the city can fix it. Thanks, Devin. Next time I see a pothole, I'll definitely be calling that number because I don't want to ruin my tires. That's it for the feed. So get out, enjoy the weather, the warm weather this weekend. Matt, do you have any plans to enjoy the weather? Well, it is St. Paddy's Day, so I'll be having a nice cold green bruchacha here today. But it's also double XP weekend, so you know I'll be diving deep into that Call of Duty. And your basement. And my basement. Anyways, tune in every Friday at 1.30 for the feed. Next week will be a good one. We're on the topic of local music. To send it off, here is Outside by Calvin Harris. Have a great weekend.